What's up, Stats Pack? Welcome back to the podcast. Got Eric back on the line. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Absolutely fabulous. How's it going, Stats Beast Pack? Doing well. It's a pleasure to be. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, we love you. We love you on the podcast, man. We love your take. Thank you. It's good to get a a uh, a voice, a New England sports voice in in the crowd here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, lately, I've been binging on uh, Sam Cook. If if anyone out there doesn't know Sam Cook, YouTube him. The man was a legend from like the fifties and sixties. And he has just the most beautiful, silky R&B voice ever. And one of his songs was Good Times. And one of his lyrics was, come on, let the good times roll. And right now on this podcast with you and the Stats Beast Pack, I'm thinking, come on, let the good time roll. I love it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> good times. Let's do it. I had my mouth full of water. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so. Dude, have you been watching the NBA this year? It's important to hydrate too, so yeah, let's hope the good true. times roll and hydrate as well. Did uh, have you been watching the NBA at all? Uh, some here and there. Celtics not having a good year. I don't blame you. I, I've been I've been listening to it pretty religiously. If uh, I mean anyone out there, I know I'm in the minority when I say this, but there's a guy that he does the Celtics games, and he is so good at quickly seeing the action. With most basketball radio announcers, I need the picture, but the guy's name is Sean Grandy, and I'm listening to him, and he is just absolutely amazing. Sean Grandy? But, um, but yeah, it hasn't been, from what I've seen from afar, it hasn't been a particularly great time. So I, if I were in their position, I would keep Jason Tatum because I think he can be, you know, at worst, Carmelo Anthony at best. He's Paul Pierce Jr., and really legit uh, a potential candidate for the Hall of Fame. I would keep I would keep Tatum and I would try and sell off Jalen Brown and, and maybe Robert Williams and try and get sort of decent complimentary pieces around Tatum. Do you think you know, I feel like Peyton Pritchard is good. He's you know, a respectable backup point guard who can kind of drive and dish and distribute to him when necessary. But yeah, that's about it. And it's kind of nuts that Ime Udoka is actually having is actually having sort of the same problems that Brad Stevens had too. Because it's the same players; it's not the coach, right? And I still think they made a strategic mistake not getting rid of Marcus. Not Smart. getting rid of Marcus <laughs> uh, Smart because I think he could just make a really awesome like lockdown defender, a pest that just annoys opposing point guards. You know, on a really good playoff team, and yeah, I, mean, is, I don't think you're getting a like a lottery pick, you know, in return for him. But like, I think you could get a first round pick for him, and that it could be useful down the road. But I think they made a strategic mistake hanging on to him. He's a couple points on that. First, I'm going to actually start off with with uh, the guy that everybody wanted to get traded, Marcus Smart. Um, he's actually you. You are one hundred percent correct. He's I think he's second or third in the league in steals right off the bat. Right there, he's right. an absolute. When he wants to be, he's a pest. Like he, he's just a nightmare with his energy and his attitude. Uh, people don't want to deal with that. Uh, so, but he just doesn't fit in with the Celtics. Um, they, he doesn't match with Jalen and Jason at all. Uh, with that said, like I feel like. I feel like Jalen is the better offensive scorer, but do you think that that Jason's a better like all around player? Is that why you prefer him over 
over uh, Jalen? I would prefer Jason because I, he's in that elite level where he can drop 35 a night. I think he can, he can actually probably be like a second, third team all-NBA defender when he really wants to be on like a nice, consistent basis. Um, but instead of having Jalen, who's sort of at the same age and trajectory in his career, if we can maybe just give Tatum like a nice sort of alpha dog persona who knows how to coach him up and kind of get the best out of him, you know, maybe someone that's 29, 30 years old, a little bit more accomplished. Yeah. Just to sort of get and bring out the best in him. Because something about um, Jalen Brown seems kind of negative leader, locker room lawyer kind of vibe to him that I just, yeah. I'm, I'm just not chilling in on any level. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's a big reason why a lot of people are like kind of pro getting rid of <clears throat> Jalen is because maybe it's just that vibe he gives off and something's not meshing. They got a lot of talent on the. I think between Jason and Jalen, they have a lot of talent. They they should be doing a lot better than they are. Uh, you know, that, that's my take. It's, it's, it's a tough take because you'd love to have them on the same team because if they if they could actually learn to play together more harmony and more you know in more harmony than they have been. Just like here, your turn, your my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. It's like what the heck is going on? It's like it doesn't flow. It doesn't flow like a good team. Not not for it. And and to transition into this, the Golden State Warriors are probably right now because they have Steph, yes, but the rest of their of the big time players are out. And, and Draymond's not an offensive player at all, but they are just clicking as a team. Like as a team, they are just killing it. And. Uh, and they're just feeding on it. They're they're the best team in the league right now. With a, you know that that same team they had last year, they're just starting to click, and the young players are are starting to mesh a lot better. So it's just, I'm taking. Uh, I'm loving sort of a hundred million little small things. I mean, you know, guys our age, we grew up watching Gary Payton, and now he's a little older. He's been in the league for a little while, but it's just so insanely awesome to see Gary Payton's kid now you know being a fantastic nba player yeah i mean heck seeing del curry's kid del curry the amazing instant offense on those alonzo morning larry johnson teams in the 90s when we were kids <laughs> he's now on his way there too so anytime i watch the warriors it's just absolutely it's just absolutely fantastic to see those really small things and and with steve Kerr, the coach Right, exactly. Steve yeah. Kerr, the man who you know hit that ice, that amazing shot in um, the finals against the Suns that year. And now there's a man who's done such a fantastic job of juggling NBA egos, getting the most out of people. Oh, man, how great would it be to have a guy like Draymond Green who knows to kind of defer and he knows on offense he's going to be anywhere from yeah he's usually what the fourth read on yeah any offensive play in golden state but that is just the man that just knows this fantastic role and does a great job uh he's kind of a he reminds me a lot of robert ori in that sense who knew when to sort of mesh very well and you know robert ori has seven rings to show for it and yeah. I just hope and pray that Jason Tatum can find something like that as well. Yeah, well, that was a thought with Marcus Smart, but it's he's just too alpha. You know what I mean? At least right. his mindset, and it just starts colli- like bonking heads against each other. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. as a take yeah, on, like, uh, yeah. another one I've sort of just dreamed about is, I mean, I know this is sort of a little antiquated in today's NBA, but I mean, 
it's just such a pleasure to see Joel Embiid. And my God, but I love him on the Celtics. Oh, yeah. Having just simply, he gets all those really close tip backs type of stuff. You know, it, he could shoot 60% from the floor. I'm just, I'm convinced of it. You know, who, then, yeah, you know what I think would be a better, or a good match, sorry, for the yeah. Celtics talking about that same team is if he got his head out as well, is Ben Simmons because he doesn't want to score. He wants to do everything else but score. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be good on a team like the Celtics. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, that that's an actually a very fair point, too. Um, hopefully, you know, assuming this isn't a, a ploy to get traded, hopefully he can legit figure out everything that's going wrong with his, his you know, with his life and everything like that and hopefully get in and out of there. If he were to leave, he would be fantastic. But... I do think one thing, they just have to have some sort of intervention with him where we can get him to shooting at least, I'll say at least 45% from the floor, at least something like that, because Ben Simmons can just absolutely be ice cold the times in which I've seen him too. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Ben, if he's, even if he's just ice cold, you know what I mean? He, he could pick up in other places like True. distributing the ball, getting movement, defense stuff like that i don't know but it, yeah and, and the, the crazy thing is he's big enough i mean he could be one thing i find so unbelievably frustrating about robert williams is that he just doesn't play 70 plus games a year and inevitably he's going to go out i think the most games he's ever played in the year was like 52 or 53 something like that yeah. but ben simmons could legit <laughs> go from point guard to maybe I mean he's big enough to be like a backup power forward yeah. too as well yeah yeah he has the strength and the size 100% yeah. correct on that one alright let's jump into the NFL unless you got anything else you want to touch on in the NBA no no I'm ready willing and able to go into any and all things NFL so by the way I love your take on the Niners <laughs> and I, I think like your take on the Niners is like my take on the Pats. So I think it's a good, uh, good combination. But um, Lance, you don't want to see him until Week Nine of next year. Uh, go ahead, you start with that one. Well, look, you know, early returns right then and there. I think it shows that the man needs a clipboard. He needs to learn. He needs to absolutely learn Kyle Shanahan's offense to a T. He hasn't really developed that level of accuracy yet. And he's not quite at a point where he should be dropping back kind of quickly reading the defense. You know, three or four, three or four quick reef. If it's not there, tucking in, take off like Russell Wilson. He's just not there yet. So let's do the Mahomes plan with him. And I don't want to see him until week nine next year. And then once that's there next year, week nine, he's fully learned the offense. I think we could see a slightly bigger Deshaun Watson. Yeah. With Trey Lance. Yeah, he is. But he has to sit for a very long time and learn and learn accuracy too. Because he was legit completing only about half of his passes. Yeah. And this isn't the 50s where. You know, if you complete 52% of your passes, you're good. In this day and age, you need to complete, like, 68% of your passes to be even remotely accurate. Yeah. here's I agree with you 100%, by the way, 100%. And so does most most Niner fans. And a lot of people want to stick Trey in there right away. It's like, I actually didn't like him. And I know he had some success running the ball because he just uses pure athleticism. 
But it's like, let him sit, let him learn. And I think Coach Shanahan has, has like finally taken a step back and said that the same thing. And he hasn't, he's, he's been healthy and he hasn't taken a snap in three straight games, which is good. Leave him on the sidelines unless he needs to go out there. Let him learn the game. Don't just stick him out there. You know, I, let him learn the game. If he has to go out, obviously he has to go out. But I'm 100%. Let him sit. Let him learn. He's freaking 21 years old. He'll still only be 22 years old next year. Just absurdly young. How old is Mac, by the way? Is he like 25? Mac's, 20, Mac's 23. 23. 23. Okay. So he, and, Mac, and Mac got a, like a full year starting for Alabama. Right. Where after like four years of developing too, though, with Nick Saban. So he's had a lot of time to learn. And whereas Trey had one year, one year active at North Dakota State, and the other one, it was COVID. So he really only played his freshman year at North Dakota. So, I mean, that's a huge – his development curve is, is much different. People need to see that and, like, chill out a little bit. Let him, let, let him mature. Let him, let him cook. You know what I mean? So I'm with you on he's, that one. Yeah, he's also legit played maybe, what, like 13 games in the past three years. And, you know, in this day and age, we have to start preparing our quarterbacks for – a 24 game season because if you think about it at least the way in which i see this because now it's it's three preseason 17 regular season and potentially four playoff games and with this day and age with only one team getting the bye you know odds are you're going to be anywhere from the two to seven seed especially in that division with um Russell Wilson and now Matt Stafford. So we got to also think about it this way. Trey Lance needs to get prepared for a 24 game season. Yeah. Uh, I'll start off with this next point you had. Um, so far, so good with Mac. And I'll, I'll take it and I'll jump in. You can take it from there. Uh, I agree with you 100%. I think Mac is playing great. I saw it actually on the first game of the week, even when he doesn't play, when he, when he loses and he can't get the ball in the end zone. I think they're really hamstringing or, you know, um, offensive coordinator, freaking, what's his name? Josh yeah, I think he was really pumping the brakes on, on the playbook, which is fine. Like, let him learn the playbook. Let him learn how it grows, you know, how, how it starts up front and then spreads out deeper. And now he's, I feel like it's clicking and you could see it. And now you could really see his accuracy. And now you could see how a lot of the other coaches saw early in the scouting how good his accuracy was when he has time. And it's turning out even when he doesn't have time, he's still dropping dimes. Uh, you know, I, I, he's 23, like you said, very young and he's playing great. Like, uh, so I don't, I'll go ahead and take it. <laughs> well, well, even, even, even with that being well, like if, if Bill had maybe wanted to give him, you know, eight, nine weeks to just learn while Cam Newton played, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't even been all that bad or, or maybe I wouldn't even really been all that upset if uh, you just said like, you know, Ryan Hoyer is going to absolutely hold down the fort. And it's a little weird. For a little while, I kind of felt like I was kind of cheating on Tom Brady here. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, at this point, you know, pining over Brady is like pining over your ex-wife after you've already divorced her. It's over. we got to move on. And yeah. I'm so happy to really think this way. But it really looks like the uh, Bill has hit Pater with Mac Jones. And also, too, to a lesser extent, Josh McDaniels was able to coach up and get respectable production out of 
Kyle Orton when he was in Denver. He was able to coach up and get respectful production out of Brady, which we know, get respectful production out of Jimmy Garoppolo, get you know respectful production out of Jacoby Brissett, and now let them in the um, post-Tommy era get really serviceable production out of Mac Jones too. So the point is just like situationally speaking, he's got a really smart coordinator who knows how to bring out the best in him. And um, a really uh, prominent past reporter by the name of Tom Curran, I think he hit Pater in terms of being right about this, is that right now already uh, Mac is already like Chad Pennington in the sense they're both about 6'3", 220. They're smart, they're tough, they're accurate. They know that, you know, Mac knows he's not built like Trevor Lawrence, just a six foot six, two hundred forty pound physical marble who can throw the ball a country mile. So he overcompensates a hundred really in which ways yeah. right then and there. So and then uh, with that already and then maybe over time I could see like better Kirk Cousins and then potentially best case scenario, I could see a um, Maybe like Matt Ryan level good. So if you take Matt Ryan level skills with Max kind of mental makeup to win and Bill's coaching, I could potentially see, you know, another Super Bowl coming to Foxborough. Yeah. I Max, this is my I, I agree with you, definitely. Um I think they have to get better on the offensive side a little bit. The defense looks great. The I think they need some receivers. I know that they're they're developing and they're they're starting to click, but I just feel like they need they're missing a couple pieces there. But they're a good team, and you know jumping back on Mac Jones, uh, I think right now, if I'm gonna rate him right now in the league for quarterbacks, I think he's like smack in the middle. I think he's right there in the middle. He's not in the upper half because the all the upper half guys they got 25, 27 touchdowns, twenty touchdowns, and more. And then where Max at, he's basically. You know, well, including his yards, he's right there in the middle. So I think he's 14th in yards. He's ahead of Kyler, Matt Ryan, um, Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he got some time off. Tyler Heineke, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger. So and Sam Darnold. He's he's ahead of those quarterbacks in yards thrown. So he's he's actually doing all right. He hasn't got the ball in the end zone a lot, and I think that was a lot because of the the offense that they're running which is uh, really starting to come together. Hopefully they can pull it off in Atlanta because there's been a lot of upsets lately these last two weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Why on earth did the Falcons, like one thing I find so crazily frustrating is that the Falcons have just so felt fallen apart from that 2016 team felt like they had that really good attacking pressure defense that Pete Carroll acolyte coordinator they had and they've just totally fallen apart I still think maybe the Falcons could be salvaged though because uh, their current head coach now that guy Smith he was uh, able to partially revive Ryan Tannehill from being a sort of mega bust that he was in Miami to being a serviceable quarterback right now um, in Tennessee. So if he can do that with Tannehill, perhaps he can do the same for Matt Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
Yeah, you made peace with a seventeen game season. Guess what? So did I. <laughs> you did, at some point, oh, you I, just I, give into it. It's been tradition yeah. since nineteen seventy eight to have a sixteen game season. Any more of that, it just feels kind of like overkill and overabundance. And I, because even now, like I'll be excited to see games tomorrow night. Because I mean, obviously, I, I turn on Thursday night football after I put the kid to bed, and I'm excited for it. But a small part of me is just like, ugh. You know, these guys are really just going to kill themselves playing a game that they just played three, four days ago. Come on, let's give them more time off so they can rest and recuperate their bodies. And, you know, 16 was just the sweetest number. Nothing more, nothing less. I want to stay at 16, but eh, it, it is what it is. Yeah. That, I, I realized that like a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I was the same. I was like, man. I was just like, I kind of like, was like, I guess this is what it is, what it is, and just kind of go with it because we're so ingrained on like the 16th game season growing up with it, you know? It's yeah. just, that's just what it was. And that's how we compared statistics and everything like that. And now it just throws it off a little bit, just a little bit, but it definitely throws it off. And obviously, there should be records broken now because, obviously, you know, there's one more game played. So. Is that really, really fair to they, like uh, measure that? You what know we all I mean? need to do is also add, like everything's all about next-gen stats and all that too. But I think we just need to do one simple thing. Like, let's just do like, you know, specific stats for like the 14-game season, the 16-game season, and the 17-game season. Like, you know, when, when we were kids, we knew him as Nordberg from, you know, the Naked Gun movies, but... OJ's 2,000 yard season when he had, when he did it in just 14 games, like that's just absolutely you know mind boggling now. But so now, but like the bar has been sort of weirdly raised. Like, I mean, I, I could easily see a 2,200 yard rusher now because we got the extra game. So it's like, all right, let's have a couple of categories. You know, we got like the OJ category for his unreal rushing year, the Eric Dickerson category for his unreal rushing year. And now, and now, you know, whoever, whoever breaks the single, <laughs> the single season rushing mark now. Yeah. It, it's probably going to be Derek Henry. If he next year, if he stays healthy, <laughs> I still think maybe he has an outside shot. I mean, he has to obviously have foot surgery. Yeah. Hopefully they've planted, um, you know, pins and screws into his feet so that way it bonds in there. And, you know, you have to maybe eliminate the chances of infections that can sometimes happen when you go in there. But keep him on a steady diet of, I, I think he should get about, I mean, I would give him about 20 carries a game just for the sake of saving his body. So that'll be 340 carries. I think I could see, like, maybe narrowly it outside chance going that too because I mean he's built like Eddie George but he's faster than any other 250 pound back would be so I could see a potential 2,000 yard season too yeah all right uh let's talk about the Thanksgiving day football is it is it happen on Thanksgiving plus Thursday night is that what is that what you're saying well well I, I found myself thinking like all right I mean we, we have to we have to adjust now if it were me, I would just kind of make Thursday night football something that only really happens on Thanksgiving. I got you, yeah. But I'm going to do like a slight adjustment where it ends up being, because, you know, culturally, Friday night football is a big thing with high school football. How about I have a Friday night game or something like that? Or maybe we can work out some sort of deal with college football. I, I don't know about you, but what I would love it is like 
you know, one little NFL game to kind of tie me over. Yeah. We have one little, maybe an NFL game in the morning, like what we do with uh, the London game, like an NFL game in the morning, and then the college games, and then Sunday, boom, and then the Monday game. That, I mean, that would be heaven idea. on earth I like for that. Me. I like that. <laughs> and actually having it bunched up like that, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or even like when it was just Sunday, Monday, mm. it's like a big buildup. You know what I mean? It's like a greater buildup, and you get more excited for it. But then you have a longer wait, you know. And of course, you don't make as much money because you don't you don't get your TV revenue, and you can't have a big Thursday again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I know it's not going back to that, but I do like your idea a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I have a dream that one day this can be enacted. <laughs> now you you wanted to bring up, and I brought this up actually with uh, my for my Forty Nine er fan, another guy I do a podcast with. We've talked about this, about Kyle, um, 100% smart coordinator, but losing seasons except for 2019 wasn't good in the Super Bowl either. He wasn't. Yeah, he needs to do something about it. And I did bring it up that he actually has the same win percentage well, as Chip Kelly uh, overall. So it's, you know, and we do know how Chip Kelly, like, is viewed in the NFL. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, I, well, yeah, he's just yeah, riding his coattails on as like being a good coordinator, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving him to the end of next year. If they're not at least ten and seven wild card team next year, and uh, this year I'm kind of expecting at least at least nine and eight out of them because. I mean, Jimmy's back to being sort of that Kirk Cousins level good, and he's back to being respectable again, and he is a very wonderful, fantastic placeholder until Trey is ready. He's got the touchdown-interception ratio, 2-1. to one. He's been relatively accurate. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Jimmy, and I think at least 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven this year. And, you know, same thing next year. If, if Trey isn't good by the tail end of next year, I, I would move on. Yeah. Now, I'll be fair. I'll be fair. 2017, that was that first year, was kind of cutting away the bad stuff that, you know, all the stuff that happened with Kaepernick, with Chip Kelly not being particularly good, with Chip Kelly idiotically trying to be sort of both coach and personnel guy like he was in Philly. Yeah. Ugh. All right, so we got to just kind of fumigate everything, get the stink out of there, go on with him. He gets sort of a pass, too, right then and there. Um, but even in 2018, with the Niners being what they are, with that talent and roster, I still felt like that was an 8-8 eight eight team, but they just weren't doing it. And we look at what he did in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, how he didn't just pound the rock and bleed clock. Just, I mean, to, to, my, to my benefit, he didn't have the sense to do that. But, like... How can you be so crazily devoid of common sense? And why not also, you have to show some degree of faith in Jimmy in the Super Bowl against, because, you know, Pat Holmes, Pat Holmes wasn't playing that particularly good. So try and sort of feed George, you know, George Kittle right then and there to maybe move the ball forward. But something about him he's just got this neurosis where he doesn't do that he has got to shake that and if he shakes it maybe they can kind of salvage his time in san francisco yeah 
Yeah, he'd have to. He has to make. He's gonna have to pull something out. But like the way this season is going, it's like people are starting to call for his head. Even though yeah. he won this last game and uh, you know against the Rams, they're like the Niners fans are so like I don't know all over the place. It's like no, no, no. Say he's great. He's a great coach. I mean, we're still having a terrible year, guys. Like, come on, pull your heads out of your asses. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just not like it's just like not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> But, uh, although you know, you kind of want to look for sort of tangible reasons to be positive. Yeah. When you absolutely derail the Rams and the way in which they're doing last night, I mean, you have to, I do have to. I want to be fair for the sake of this podcast. I still got to do a, a great golf lap of respect for what they were able to do. The Rams look like an absolutely, really well well rounded team. You can't help but respect, and you know, it's kind of nuts. I mean, I'm sure. Maybe, you know, not a lot of other people feel this way, but now that the Pats have won six, I'm insanely mega complacent. So I find myself also rooting for other franchises like, oh, man, you know, I would love to see the Browns win one. And also, too, my God, Matt Stafford spent 12 years in that football purgatory known as Detroit. I kind of hope it's so great he was able to flee Detroit to the City of Angels and maybe hopefully they can win a Super Bowl because I don't quite think the Pats. I think the Pats are maybe a one-and-done playoff team this year. Yeah, yeah. But, man, I would be so rooting for the Rams. Go Stafford. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's, it's a good change for him. He's, this is most wins he's won in a season up to, the, I mean, this early in the season for him. But too bad for him. I'm a Niners fan. <laughs> Yeah, Anyways. well, that, that's certainly true too. <laughs> um, have you been? I've got a newfound sense of respect for for Sean McVay this year, simply because of the fact that, like, any time I saw Jared Goff, I always felt like you know, pretty good, good skills, physical marvel, Pro Bowler, but he's just absolutely f- fell apart you know, towards the tail end of his time with the Rams, and he's not doing all that great in Detroit right now. It's just like, wow, he was able to get all of that out of Goff. I mean, yeah, imagine I what he could going. do with a more competent quarterback yeah. like yeah, like Stafford. Yeah. So my respect for Sean McVay has grown immensely. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a real good point. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what the hell happened to Jared Goff, man. He was a good quarterback. He was he was playing well. There there was a good marriage over there, and then all of a sudden it just went south fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny in retrospect how, um, you know, sometimes you're just like, hey, you know, what's going on? Obviously, people are thinking, and I was sort of thanking my my lucky stars too that like Mac fell the fifteenth overall, and then and I, I found myself pondering just for the heck of it because it's like you know obviously. Jacksonville, you know, they're going to go with Lawrence. I mean, that man is apparently Andrew Luck, L.A., all rolled into one. Sure, no problem. The Jets are thinking, all right, great, we got the Mormon Mahomes, we'll take Wilson. You know, the Niners, oh, they have that nice internal power struggle. They end up going with Trey Lance instead. Okay, fine. The Falcons, oh, wait, they're going to stick with Matt Ryan. They'll go with with Pitts. Okay, yeah, because Pitts is apparently like, you know, Gronk, Gonzalez, and Jason Witten all over. Okay, understand. Bengals. Well, you know what? They're they're happy with Burrow. No problem. Yeah. I think maybe the Dolphins might take back. Tool was okay, but nothing really to go nothing. Oh, okay. They're going to take Waddle. Oh, all right. Great. 
Well, the Lions, you know, they're, they're definitely going to maybe take Mac. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, they think they can salvage Goff. Okay, fine. Yeah. yeah. Sam Darnold wasn't that great no. with the Jets. Wait, um, you know, certainly the Panthers will grab him. Oh, no. All right. They, they really think that they can. Okay. No. Okay, fine. You know, the, obviously maybe Drew, Drew Locke doesn't quite worth it. I, I certainly see Denver maybe taking Mac. Oh, okay. No, they're going to go with Sertain. Uh, the Eagles, I bet you they're content with Jalen Hurts. Yes, they are. The Bears, oh, okay, hey, the Bears, maybe the Bears will go, oh, all right, they're going to go with Fields over that. Um, you know, okay, yeah. Dex, you know, Andrew's fine, so Dallas, probably, yeah, okay. You know, obviously the Chargers were fine with Herbert. Okay, fine, Mini. And then sure enough, you know, you just can't help but see that unbelievable good luck. Oh, one hundred percent. That caused Mac Jones to fall to the Patriots. I agree with you there. I agree with you. Yeah, it was like, it well, what's going on? It's like, is there something wrong with Mac because he dropped so far? But everybody just kind of had, I think, analysis paralysis and kind of screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, I, I would have certainly, I would have certainly moved up to at least like maybe the tenth spot to get him. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 also kind of unreal too. Just to now see, actually, kind of in the spirit, of what we're saying more is more sons of former NFL NFL players. I mean, yeah, I would have thought Joe Joe Horn's kid would probably be like another elite receiver, like he was. But nope, <laughs> he's a money cornerback now on the you know, on the Panthers. Patrick Sertan, I mean, the guy's only like a couple years older than us, and now he's. He's a pretty money quarterback, a corner, yeah. excuse me. Uh, and now it's just like, wow, Asante Samuel Jr. It didn't even feel like all that long ago when his old man was playing. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, doesn't even see that long ago. Yeah. All right, dude, you got anything else? Um, You know what? From now on, I'm never going to let bias that I felt like towards a particular school ever mess with it like i remember thinking you know what herbert he came from oregon i mean that's the same school that produced joey harrington i'm just going to dismiss oregon quarterbacks i will never ever do that again yeah and even though um he kind of threw a couple of bad picks early on i kind of like what i see out of justin fields just in the sense of um you know good scrambling good up good observation he's starting to kind of show more decent accuracy in this day and age because you know he's completing about 60 percent of his passes which isn't terrible for a rookie right then and there so i could totally see kind of the poor man's jack prescott out of justin fields too as well yeah I'll, you, I'll never ever hold the guy's school against him yeah yeah that's a that's fair and that's well oregon was tough not to do it because that's just the way they were <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The history uh, of the quarterbacks coming out of there. There and then, lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Hey, it was a, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on and my uh, love for the Stats Beast back. Have a fabulous night. Thank you, sir. And uh, let's talk again soon. Absolutely. Later, buddy. Okay, bye. bye.